right? Pentecost, what is it and why should you care? For some of these thoughts, I've been very influenced by this here book, Journey with God. I might have mentioned this to you before by um, Tim Gray and Jeff Cavins. Amazing. It's the best run through the whole story of salvation, in my opinion, that you will read anywhere. Some of the, the stuff in here, you just, no commentary has it. It's and it's simple, it's spiritual, really beautiful, beautiful read. They have this, some really interesting insights into Pentecost. So there's this big wind. So everyone, imagine you're in this huge uh, courtyard and the, the temple in front of you, you're in the courtyard of the temple, so you are in the temple. There's this huge wind, so not just the 120 believers, but all these others are like, what? And then this fire comes and it divides up into 120 different flames and comes and rests on each one of them. Now, usually when the presence of God would come, it went into, into the Holy of Holies and went to the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. It didn't go and rest on anybody. That This is, this is totally new. This is totally like, what? And it would have been obvious to everybody. And then, then they start speaking in all of these foreign tongues. It's like, what is going on? Foreign tongues, meaning foreign languages. It's really interesting. What do we see going on here? There's a revelation that the Spirit would return, the presence of God would return to his temple. And it does return in the context of the old temple. But the temples that it enters are not actually this stone building. It enters the believers. It enters the hearts and the, the spirits and unites itself, rests upon Christian believers. The apostles, Our Lady, all the women who followed him and those other of the 120 who were gathered. So it's saying something really huge. It's revealing a massive shift from the presence of God being on this building temple into this new temple, this body of Christ, the church, the new Israel, which is it's an extraordinary thing when God makes each believer a temple. And this is what we believe does indeed happen at baptism. And not just the Holy Spirit, but the entirety of the Trinity comes and dwells in your soul, in the soul of a baptized believer. And even babies who aren't yet capable of that act of faith, that the church can, can make that act of faith on their behalf, and that they become a full-on temple of the Holy Spirit. Really astounding. Now, this coming of the Holy Spirit is kind of the second time this has happened. It happens, first of all, in the book by the same author, St. Luke, in the start of his gospel, the Gospel of Luke, where the Holy Spirit comes upon Our Lady. And what happens when this, this Spirit of God overshadows her? She conceives Jesus. So that too is like the return of the presence of God to the earth, right? That's the first time it happens. And Luke puts, puts all of these kind of connections between the life of Jesus as seen in the Gospel of Luke and then the life of the church as seen in the Acts of the Apostles. And I believe that he's trying to show that just as he depicted 33 years of the life of Jesus, so too the Acts of the Apostles pretty much covers 33 years of the life of the church up to just before Paul's execution. So it's 33 and 33. They both start with very similar things. They both start with the temple and with this coming, the overshadowing uh, by the Holy Spirit. So that what happened in Mary to, to begin this amazing life and story of Jesus, it happens again with Mary, but also with the apostles, with these 120, which is a very, very significant number. This presence of God comes, not just, you know, so you can do nice things, but 
just as happened in Mary, this actual incarnation. We take the day of Pentecost as the birthday of the church. We, we probably could celebrate that a bit more, you know? Like that's a really, really big deal. All of the saints are saints because they are children of the church. Even Our Lady is a member of the church, even though she's also its mother. So this is a huge thing. And what does this mean? It's not so much that the birth of the church as an entity. It's the fact that Jesus is again made present on the earth, not just through Our Lady now, but through the church. The church is in a very real way the, con the continuing presence of Jesus on the earth. He does it in a slightly more veiled way now. Previously, he did it himself. Now he's doing it in and through and with us. But it's very, very, in a very real sense, the real presence of Jesus. And as you compare the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles written by Luke, you can see like there are all of these connections between the life of the apostles, the life of the believers, and the life of Jesus. So he's really trying to communicate this, this reality. And this then continues, and, and Luke is kind of saying that this model of what happens in the church in those first 33 years, that goes on, that Jesus is continuing to be present. He's growing, this body of Christ is growing to maturity on the earth until every ear hears the gospel and has the opportunity to respond with faith, please God. In a sense, there should be not just an Acts of the Apostles, but an Acts of you, the Acts of the your parish. What would that look like? Maybe you're like, well, that would be extremely boring, Father. <laughs> okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Is it a different Holy Spirit that came upon the 120 as came upon you in your baptism and your confirmation? Is Jesus less powerful? Is he less present? Is he less in love with you than he was with the 120? Now, okay, I get it. So you got the apostles <laughs> and you've got Mary. Pretty holy, pretty impressive folks going on there. But there was, also, there was also some pretty ordinary folks, just like you and me in there. And they were an essential part of the ones that God sent his spirit upon. And he's done the same to you, whether you saw it or not, in your baptism and in your confirmation. And he wants to do something extraordinary through you in your life. There's a beautiful line from St. Catherine of Siena. She said, if you are what you should be, you will set the whole world on fire. If you are what you should be, you will set the whole world on fire. I first heard that from St. John Paul II at the World Youth Day in Rome, and it sent shivers all over me. And in my heart, it's like, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want to be who I'm supposed to be. And who are you supposed to be? You're supposed to be you, but you made fully alive by the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be the presence of Jesus shining through you. And just as when light shines through a handmade stained glass window, it's a totally unique image that shines through there. So too, you are this beautiful handmade stained glass window, totally unique. And when you let God's light shine through you, when you let the Holy Spirit work through you and speak through you, just as Jesus did, then something completely unique, a totally unique, precious and beautiful presence of Jesus is brought into the world once again. We just have to make ourselves available. Let's ask the Holy Spirit. Let's give him permission to take control of us, to shine through us, to work with us and in us, to make Jesus present and, and to help us to listen to what he wants and to do it. God bless you.